job, you know? And it's like, sometimes things go bad and they're out of your control, but you know, I really wanted a chance to make this Olympic team and I'm having to crawl back to like even be in that conversation. With marathons, you know, you just get so only so many shots to improve and get to get to mile 22 at grandma's and get in the hurt locker and see what you can do. Get to 24 at Houston and see what you can do. Like that's so hard to stimulate in practice. So you, you, these opportunities are so small. And so honestly, like knowledge and experience was helpful to make me stay calm, but what kept me tough, kept me grinding after those guys. It's just like, like do your fucking job. Like don't have excuses, like just get it done. Hello and welcome back to the big run and welcome to another midweek episode. This time hot off the press from Houston, Texas with American distance runner, Parker Stinson. Parker towed the line at the Houston Half Marathon on Sunday and ran a huge effort. There was some seriously smart racing and he caught the pack by mile 15 and stayed competitive till 24, coming in fourth with a time of 2 hours, 12 minutes and 11 seconds. This marks another impressive step in the right direction for Stinson, who has been trending in the right direction since joining Roots Running in Boulder, Colorado, with his sights set firmly on the Olympics in Paris in 2024. In this conversation, recorded the morning after the marathon, fair play to him, we break down the race in granular detail, the last-minute racing strategy alterations, how it played out, and what he's taking from an incredible run. We also reflect on his past year with Roots Running, the culture there, how he's remained strong through the tough times, and what lies ahead race-wise as he edges towards those games in Paris. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm delighted to welcome the morning after a marathon, no less, Parker Stinson. So, Parker, thank you so much for joining me. Literally, the morning after, the day before. I mean, just before we hit record, you were you were sort of filling your cup of coffee. You've pretty much just woken up. I mean, first things first. How's the body feeling? Uh, really bad. <laughs> um, I, I mean, you always feel really bad after a marathon, but when you, I, I definitely stuck my nose in it. Um, I got rolling, caught up to the lead guys and then the lead guys were going back and forth on pace, like fart looking, so that beat you up a bit. And then, you know, they were really good. So they eventually, um, it was just a matter of time probably until they broke me. And when they, when you break in a marathon, um, you cause a lot of damage to the body at the end of the marathon because you're really going backwards and your body's in crisis. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm really sore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm grateful for you for, for taking the time to chat. So let's get let's get into the race then. Let's get into that kind of granular detail. And first off, congratulations! Like fourth place, two twelve and eleven seconds, like a phenomenal, a phenomenal run. I mean, going into the race, let's work backwards. Going into the race, did you feel confident that you were in a good place before turning the line before the gun went off? Yeah, um, there's a. We could dive into some more on that, but that's like a. There's really good questions that we could because I found out some things the morning of the race that we had to pivot what we were going to do, and it worked out amazing. So it's kind of interesting to hear. But as mm. far as what I, yeah, as far as what I did in my job of being mentally and physically ready and, and fit. Um, I was super confident with all of that. I, I really started to race. Well, I struggled at the beginning of last year. I just wasn't that fit. And it was a new coach, and a new system. But then I ran really well at grandma's marathon. Um, I ran two twelve and was eight, but if you watch the race, once again, with the leaders looking great, looking really strong. And I hit the wall against those guys around 21, 22, which, you know, that's, that's still a ways to go. So it's a solid day, but not where you want to be. And then um, fast forward to Houston, I make it to about 24. So getting closer, getting closer. And Houston is a, you know, a higher level uh, race and, and better guys for sure. So I felt like I had done my part. I felt like I was fit. I felt like I was ready to go. And then a few things happened. I saw the start list and last year it was one and two eleven in really good conditions, cold weather, a little, a little windy, but really good conditions. What we, ex- we've come to expect from that magic that happens at Houston. So this year I saw the start list and they brought in like a bunch of 206 guys, um, a t- two 208 guys, two past champions. I was ranked 12th um, going into the race. And when I signed up for this race, I thought, you know, maybe I can win, get top three. And so I had to pivot a bit where I was like, I'm not gonna, you know, get down on myself and say like, you know, big goals aren't possible, but I also need to be realistic. Like it's going to be warm. 
and not warm enough that like it's devastating to your race, but warm enough that if you don't run the right way, you could really struggle. And so I was a little worried about that. And then the last thing that happened was there wasn't supposed to be any pacer. Um, so I was like, okay, cool. Like these guys are definitely a lot better than me, but it's a little warm. So I feel like nobody really is going to want to like go for some fast time and I'll, I'll probably be okay. Well, we found out the morning of, and no one, no one even really told me I was just chatting, like being friendly with someone. And they're like, Oh yeah. And, uh, this guy's going to be the pacer. And I was like, what, what are you talking about? And this is like 10 minutes before I was like going to warm up and right. thank God I'm, you know, 31 and been through a lot of things now, because I think if I was a younger athlete, I would have really freaked out. So I talked to my coach and everything. And they said the rabbit was going to try for like, you know, sub 64 or something like that. And I was like, well, hopefully I find a second group that I can run with because I don't want anything to do with that. I want to close out a race. Well, um, I think on this, I think the weather, I was like, I think I need to go through in 65 plus, um, and see what I can do. So, so yeah, I mean, now there's a million more things we can talk about, but yeah, that's what happened before the race. I felt prepared. Then some things were thrown my way, but then my coach and I came up with a plan um, and we can go dive into like how the race planned out, but it planned out exactly what we talked about after we found out about the Pacers. So that was really cool to work together with him and kind of be like these schemers and, and go and execute that. So that's super interesting. I'm, I'm interested in what that sort of, so you found out kind of 10 minutes before you're about to warm up. Okay. So you've kind of got 10 minutes before you want to kind of get the body moving. So what's that dialogue then between, between you and, and your coach then? What is that? Is this is you and this is you and Richie Hansen, I'm guessing. Like, what is that? What's that exchange? Yeah, I was, I was, um, I wasn't as much freaking out as I was kind of like upset. You know, I was just like, dude, I'm in really good shape here. There's all these good guys here. They brought in tons of good guys and now they're putting a pacer. And I was just kind of like, well, I was a little frustrated. I was like, well, how am I going to run well, like in this situation? And so I was frustrated and Richie just brought me back down and got me focused on the job. He's like, you'll have people to run with, I think. But if not, this is the plan with the wind. He said, I want you to be running around five minute pace as easy as you can be. So around that 65, 30 ish half marathon pace right under, but then at around mile eight to nine, you're supposed to get a tailwind or get some better weather um, until 18. And you've got to, you got to put on the gas by yourself. You're, we, we knew I would probably be alone then. We thought maybe I would have some people until then, but we knew I'd be alone then. And it's like, you, once you're alone, you got to put on the gas. You got to get into like flow state. You got to just like be, be, do what you can do. And I don't think him and I ever thought like, I don't know about ever, but thought the whole group would come back and I'd have a chance to win. I think what we thought maybe was more like maybe around like mile 16, 17, 18, if I get rolling, maybe I can finally find like a second chase group of like three or four guys. Cause I was in probably ninth or 10th place by myself at mile six. And yeah. And then he was just like, I think if you can get there, things will slow down as they head into that headwind, the harder part of the course, and you'll have a chance to to do really well. And yeah, I was just going over stats. So Dude, I, I can't believe I ran this way. I've never run this way before. I can't believe it worked out. It's so exciting. Um, I ran miles. I ran from 10K to 25K completely alone. And I ran 45.40 by myself. So that's 453 mile pace by myself to go catch those guys. Um, so that's, you know, 15.12, 15.13 over and over again. So then I caught those guys and that's when, you know, I got on TV and people like that were watching could really see what was happening. But yeah, I went through in 64, 46, basically by myself. And I still wasn't with the leaders. I still hadn't caught them yet. And so to show that discipline and execution, um, it gets me emotional, man. I haven't, I've struggled so much to like stay disciplined in the longer marathon. And, you know, even the ones that I've run well in, they were quite easy. You know, I was like just sitting behind rabbits or sitting behind other good Americans the whole race. And then, you know, just tried to stay tough and change gears. Like this is the hardest marathon I've ever run mentally and physically. And those warm conditions did, they, I mean, my shorts were starting to fall off, you know, in the race a little bit, like they started to catch up. It wasn't like I say devastating, but it was just like, you're kind of like, wait, why are my legs dying like earlier than I thought they would? Or like, are th muscles getting tight? Like things like that. So. Mm. Where, I mean, you say it's, you know, you'd never run like that before, like to really put the hammer down, put the gas on and turn out that kind of pace solo. I mean, 
where does one pull that kind of performance from, like mentally? Like, I mean, why do you think it kind of coalesced and, and managed to sort of click into place on the day for you? Like, what were the were the factors? Like, was it the sort of foundation you'd laid with the strategy chatting beforehand with Richie or was it just kind of mercurial, right place, right time? It just, it just was the way it was. Yeah. Um, I mean, first and foremost, I tell my teammates and my friends this a lot because sometimes if they have a bad race or I have a bad race, whatever, they go, oh, I want to fix this. I want to fix this. I should have been tougher there, whatever. Well, what you realize with a lot of these top guys is they, they're tough, but they're probably just better than you. They're just more fit. And so my point of this is like, yeah, I was super tough yesterday and it was really great. And we'll dive into that. But also it's really easy to go be tough and go get stuff done when you're really fit. So I've done the work and, and I am in great shape. And so that allows me to go do what, what I did, but, um, it was hard. Like, dude, there's literally, I was literally on TV at mile seven behind the women's half marathon leader. Like I was on TV running behind the women's half marathon leader and like the lead trucks, just like looking at me and I'm just like by myself. And I'm like, man, I feel like, okay, but this is like a little embarrassing, you know, like I thought I would try to win the race with the men. I'm 40 seconds behind. My dad told me I was 40 seconds behind at 10 K. And now, you know, I don't, I don't mind running with the women. I was running with Emily Sisson for a while. It's no problem, but like, I don't know, like to be on TV and at mile seven, you're like, I don't know how this is going to turn out. Like I'm a little embarrassed and like nervous about what I'm doing here. Like, is this the right strategy? So to go, if you were watching to go from seeing me way back um, on the women's coverage and anyone who knows me knows I don't run that way, you know? So to see that, you know, I'm sure a lot of my friends and a lot of whatever, like, Oh man, I'm going to turn off, turn off the television. Like this guy, this guy's going to drop out. This guy's done. But if you've given me, you know, 45 minutes, you were turn it back on and you were going to see that I was with the men's leader. So it was, uh, some of my friends watching is a wild, uh, roller coaster to watch. So. And those are those kind of races that like, you know, for obviously for you kind of living that experience, but for the people watching as well, that's what makes kind of great racing and great spectating is when you see, when you see a narrative like that start to unfold, like over the course of those 45 minutes of you reeling in the lead pack. So talk us through that process, that journey then of, of slowly starting to, to reel them in and then kind of the thoughts that maybe started going through your head during that process, like... Were you starting to believe that perhaps you were going to write a different story to the one that you'd maybe been writing in your head slightly earlier on? Yeah, um, it was it was a bit shocking. And I just tried to like take in, I tried not to respond too much to good or bad information that was happening. Because what I've noticed when I do that is I get really high on the good information um, and good feelings. And then when I go through an inevitable, inevitable low, it's a lot harder to handle that swing of emotions. So I try to just be kind of like stone cold. Um, I even wrote on my, <laughs> wrote on my notes before the race, I was like still cold stinny. Like, I just have to like not react to anything, like just go up and like get the job done, you know, just be a professional. And so the two things that were going through my mind was I was way back running with guys running the half, trying to run like 65, 30. And I went through 10K by myself, feeling okay, feeling decently holding back, but like a little stiff and stuff. And I went through in 3106. And I was like, that is close to my PR marathon pace. And I know it's warm out here. Like everybody was trying to act like, oh, we can still run fast. It's not hot. But I've been in enough of those, like I, it tricks you. And once again, I'm not saying it was devastating, but it does trick you. And so when I went through in 10K in almost PR marathon pace, feeling okay, I was like, I don't know what everyone else is doing. And I don't know how my race is going to end up here. But I felt like at that moment, I needed to stick with it and be positive because I felt like I didn't want this to happen. I was really bummed. But I, at the time, I felt like, man, I feel like I could almost run a 211 something right now today by myself if I have to run every single step with how I, with how I felt. So that kept me really positive. Um, and then I got to that point where I was like, okay, I don't know about like hunting people down and catching the leaders, but I was just like, I think I need to like put in a little bit more effort here. Like I'm feeling kind of rigid, like, cause I'm holding back a bit. Like I didn't feel very fluid. So I kind of just like zoned out for a little bit and just kind of like see where that got me. And then I saw a few case splits and I was run. I ran like, um, 
dude, I ran one 3k at like 904 and it felt, it felt harder than what I was doing, but it also felt nice in a way of like, I was like so focused and my stride had that power. And so I was like, holy shit, like, is this right? And when I started running that, I knew that was going to do some damage. And then I could start seeing the guys again. And they were very far. They were like Mm. very far ahead. But like my dad told me 40 seconds a while ago. And so to see them coming back, um, I got excited. But, you know, what we talked about, this is really cool. Once again, I don't think people could see this on the broadcast really, unfortunately. But like I got really close to them and I was probably within 10 to 15 seconds of them for like another four miles. And like, obviously I could have been like, like super aggressive and covered that gap in like a mile and a half if I wanted to. But I just was like, Hey, I got here by running my own race. And I got here by staying within myself. And I know I want to be with those guys, but if I sprint to catch up to them and they make one big move, I've overextended and I'm off the back again. And so I just, I just stayed back and I just kept running my race one or two guys fell off of them and then I would run with them for a little bit, move back up. And so seeing like those guys fall off when I was catching them made me feel like, okay, these guys aren't just playing games. Like they're actually hurting a little bit too, which I was surprised about, you know, cause I was like, I feel pretty good. I'm running really fast. And I thought maybe like, if I catch these guys, they're going to be like, Oh, well now we're going to start actually trying because like we're running easy, but they still had the rabbit as well. And they weren't running with him. Like they weren't staying on him. And so they were struggling for whatever reason. Um, and I just kept staying within myself. And then eventually over the next four miles, I closed down that next 15 second gap and just caught them really smoothly. Um, and yeah, it felt great to run with them. Uh, once I caught them, I was like, wow, there's no more wind and you get some dopamine. You're not like as worried and stuff. So I can't, I'm telling, talking right now and I can't believe it worked. It was, I was so far behind at 10 K. <laughs> so, yeah. It's interesting hearing you, you talk about that and you, you saying earlier about, you know, you've, you've done a lot of these races and you are, you know, you're 31 now widely experienced, uh, as a runner and particularly within this, this distance, do you think that's, that's testament to the experience that you've kind of cultivated and built up to know that in that moment that you weren't tempted to just sprint and close that gap, that you were going to run that race and just sort of see how it played out. And obviously in this instance, you know, it, it played out really, really well, but that's sort of come for you from a, from a place of knowledge and experience. Yeah. It comes from knowledge and experience, but it also comes from just like this attitude that I've had recently. And it's just like what we said earlier, like, it's like, do your job, you know? And it's like, sometimes things go bad and they're out of your control, but you know, I really wanted a chance to make this Olympic team and I'm having to crawl back to like, even be in that conversation. Mm. And with marathons, you know, you just get so only so many shots to, to, to improve and get to, like I said, like get to mile 22 at grandma's and get in the hurt locker and see what you can do. Get to 24 at Houston and see what you can do. Like that's so hard to stimulate in practice. Mm. So you, you, these opportunities are so small. And so honestly, like knowledge experience was helpful to make me stay calm. But what kept me tough, kept me grinding after those guys is just like, like, do your fucking job. Like, don't have excuses. Like, like, just get it done, you know? And like, that's just, that's just how I felt the whole race. And I was like, I didn't know how it was going to end up, but like, I'm really supported um, well by the sponsors that work with me and through tough times, like they, they believed in me. And it's like, I have no excuse in this race besides being alone and having some you know, not ideal conditions to not get this done. Like I'm in shape and I got to get on the board here. And if I want to be able to talk before the Olympic trials, like I want a chance to make this team, I got to start putting up numbers. And yeah, that's basically all it came down to. And I wish it had been a nice day. And I wish I'd had like rabbits and feeling amazing, but I was like, this is the cards I'm dealt. And I got to find a way to, to, to do something with them. Love that. Do your job. I think that's such a lovely sentiment. Like, so mile 24 then sort of north of that, you've checked into the Hurt Locker, you sort of, uh, you've made your reservation prior, but you've finally, you know, you've, you've entered the arena. I mean, how are those last moments of the marathon for you? Like being on the, finally catching this pack, being on the back of them, being in amongst them, and then the remainder of the race and how it, how it played out for you. I guess the original feeling when I crossed the line was I was elated with fourth, but it was hard to not feel a little disappointed, like a little bit of a bitter taste, taste in your mouth. Cause 
one, I know how good those guys. So now when I thought back of it, I know how good those guys are. And I'm like, okay, I get why I couldn't quite go with them, but that's the marathon, you know, like anything's possible. So you're like, I just felt like right away that I kind of failed a little bit because not from fourth, that was amazing, but I really, really, really struggled the last two K and my, I, I really want to hammer home the end of a marathon one of these times. So I just felt a little bit from, I felt like I had failed a little bit. Um, but obviously when I think about it more, it's like, but do you want the JV kick, you know, or do you want to like have the chance to win the race or be top three? And it's like, yeah, like I could have sat back and run really conservative and I probably could have had a great last two K, but then you never get that chance to like, be like, well, what would have happened if I was there? So I'm very proud of the way I run, but originally I just felt like, I was like, damn, like I, I didn't quite get it done again, you know, but I feel differently now. So then let's move back. Um, before I got gapped and, and eventually broken around 23-ish, 24, um, when I caught the guys, they never ran smooth. And it was really, really tough. I mean, we literally ran like a 320K at one point, And then we ran like a 303K after that. And it was, it was so painful. And I had already had to put in so much power to catch back up to them that covering those moves was really difficult in my like hamstrings and my quads. I just, my legs just started to go flat. Um, but what would happen is until about mile, until I eventually got gapped and broke is they would make a really significant move and I would cover it really slowly. And I would just sit back and once again, run, I was like, I would respond. Like I was like, okay, I'm responding to this move, but I couldn't respond with like that zine and excitement that those guys had. So I would just sit there and cover it slowly. And then every time a move like that would happen, we would go from eight guys to seven guys. And I was like, well, I'm still here. Mm -hmm. And then the next time it would go from seven to six, I'm still here. And so, although it was, it was tough to see how good first, second and third looked, it was really encouraging to see that like, Oh wow. Like other really good guys, like the guy who won last year, um, the guy who has run the Japanese runner, who's run 208 flat. Like it was really encouraging to see them start to struggle because it put made me feel like hey like I actually am running amazing I am of this caliber athlete um they're not just playing games here like this is this is the real race right now so that happened and I got dropped like so many times and caught back up and then so what happened when I eventually got gapped and I'm so proud of this I just wish I could have had another like two or three k in me but the end of Houston is not easy and everyone thinks Houston is a really great course, but I've talked to a lot of people and the last 5k is by far the hardest of the whole race, which is just cruel. There's all these like underpasses and that you go under. So there's significant Hills, especially when you think of Houston and it's this flat, fast course, the, the, the full and the half are very different. The full has way more Hills. So let's go to the last 5k natural moves are being made because there's Hills. And then guys that are feeling good are like, oh, this is my time. You know, I'm going to push the hill. So I'm like, oh my God, dude, like, come on. Just like, can't you, can't we like, can't we all just finish together here at this point? <laughs> um, and, and then to make it worse, there was a pretty significant headwind most of the way back. And so the, the notion is like, you really can't get dropped. Like if you get dropped, your race is kind of over because between the headwind and the hills, you're probably not going to just like be able to come back from that. So I was doing everything I could to like not get dropped. And I get dropped, I think at like 23. And um, I actually saw some of the broadcast last night and I was really, I was, you remember things differently than when, how they were. And so here we are talking about, I was like, man, I wish I could have just finished it out better. And like maybe been a little tougher, like what could I have done? And I'm watching the broadcast, and this is probably, like I said, the ninth or tenth time I've dropped, and I'm dropped again. But then for about a mile, I'm alone, and I like I didn't give up. Like you can see, I'm keeping that gap, and I'm like, please, like let somebody break so that I have a chance for third place, or like let me go run with third place. Um, so I kept the I kept the belief, I kept the faith, I kept the heart going um, for about a mile alone, and then un unfortunately it just becomes at a certain point, I wasn't able to compete anymore. And not even with them, like I wasn't able to compete with myself anymore. It was about like, I have to, I have to make sure I can finish this race. And that's kind of where that bitter 
sweet feeling is coming or bitter, not, or not bittersweet. That bitter feeling in my mouth is like, no, I've got to compete for 26.2 miles, man. I can't compete for 25. And I know why that happened, but I still want, I don't want that to happen, you know? And so next time out, I got to be better. I got to find a way to be better. Well, I mean, you talk about being proud and, and, you know, I'm sure there is. And of course there has to be that sort of, uh, that reflection of a race and, you know, the, the kind of the, the thoughts that runs through a, a runner's mind when they review a, a, an incredible performance like that. But, you know, from a spectator, from a fan's point of view, it was an incredible performance and it felt like a real kind of stepping stone for you and your journey as a runner, like looking back at grandma's marathon and looking back on your past year, like from Boston, you know, and joining up with Roots Running and stuff, it feels like you're you're trending in the right direction. And if you have Paris 2024 in your head and your kind of crosshairs as something that you're aiming at from a sort of outsider's point of view, it seems like you really are kind of trending in in that kind of that kind of direction. And I mean, taking the the race and putting that to to one side. I mean, sort of reflecting over the past year because it's been a year now since you joined um, Roots Running. I mean. How has that past year been for you? How has the has the change been from moving to that team? I mean, we've had two of uh, other members from Roots Running on the show, Maggie and, and Luke. I mean, yeah, what's the atmosphere like there? And what was it like for you joining the team? And, and how's the past year been for you? Yeah, thanks for, I really appreciate you saying all that. It's really cool to, you know, with those IWF tables, you get to look and it's objectively the best performance I've ever had in my career. You know, maybe not the best time, but so that feels incredible, you know? Um, it's been a, a tough last four years, but, uh, yeah, roots running, you know, it was, it was tough. You know, I miss Dathan and I miss, uh, the on the on club and those guys were all so kind and thoughtful to me. And so that was a hard decision, but I was just unhappy in my day to day. I, I showed up to races and just felt exhausted and just didn't feel like, like just passionate about what I was doing. And so I made the change to roots and, you know, it's funny you ask, um, I wish we had a recording before some of this other stuff, but I told a lot of my friends, I was like, I'm really enjoying this marathon training. I'm really enjoying roots. I enjoyed the day to day. I am so balanced that I don't need my race performances. I really don't. Once again, that is my job and I want it to continue to be my job. So I need to get that done. But as far as my life and being happy, like I don't need that. I, I have so much fun outside of running now. I have so much fun at practice. Like I don't even remember warming up and cooling down for workouts because we're just all shooting the shit so much, having so much fun. I was so to answer two questions. That's funny is I was just talking to Richard Hansen the other day and I was just like, you know, I feel like the atmosphere on this team is amazing. And I've been here for a year now. So I was like, how do you feel about it? Like, I, it seems really good to me. Do you have any thoughts or whatever? He's like, it's the best team culture we've ever had. And so that was really, really cool to hear. And I felt the same way, but I just didn't want to, you know, um, I don't have any other, um, information, but I was just like, this team culture is amazing. Like how could like it be better? And then to the last year for me personally, yeah, I already touched on it. I'm just so happy and I enjoy the training so much. Like I'm going to run probably, I'm going to run another marathon in a few months. Like I feel great with this training. I feel healthy. I feel excited. I feel encouraged. And I was a little nervous because I was just like, it's not the hardest I've ever trained. So I was like, man, I really want to have a good race at Houston because I'm enjoying this training so much and it's coming so easily to me. I want the results because if I don't get the results, then I'm going to have to train really hard again, <laughs> which is fine. But I'm having so much fun. I was like, and I was running really well at like 10 miles and half marathons, but the marathon's so different. And so I was like, man, I really, really want this result because I'm enjoying my life. I'm enjoying my training. I'm really happy. And I don't want to have to go back to like miserable training to run well at the marathon. So that was, uh, that was a big motivating factor in the race at Houston. I was like, dude, I want to get this done so that my training is like proven to be working well. And I also had like three vacations lined up that I wanted to go on. And I was like, dude, I got to like, I got to finish this race. I got to finish this race well, or Richie's going to make me train for another race if I don't get it done. So I was like, I don't, I was like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I love those additional kind of factors of like, oh, well, I've got some holidays booked, you know, I want to really kind of enjoy those. So just carrying on from, uh, and picking up on some of your responses there, because I'm really intrigued by, by Roots Running as a, as a kind of collective. And you use the word when you were talking about it, about the culture. 
and you know, if you people who are into like business and stuff, and they look at like you know, sort of uh, big success, successful companies in Silicon Valley, they talk about the culture. Like it's always something that people are curious about to kind of distill what a certain group of individuals' culture is, so that they can emulate the success of said group. So. I'm curious to get your perspective, sort of having been amongst it for a year now, because I, I spoke to, to Luke and, and Maggie about this. Like, I mean, how, what what would you describe the culture and roots as? And what do you think it is about that culture that has sort of led to it sort of tempting so many of these incredible runners to 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 join the fold? Yeah, that's um yeah, I love I would love to answer that question. I think too, I'm gonna answer it with what I think makes it great, and I'm gonna answer with what I think. Um, one thing could make it better. So we're going to really get critical here. Yeah. What makes it great? I mean, Richie, it all starts from, from Richie Hansen, in my opinion, you know, he, he has a baby now he's in his MBA program. He has his own life. He has all these things. And I feel like that guy never misses practices. Um, I mean, he, like, he is just so passionate about all the athletes he's working with about the group. He's brilliant. His training is very thoughtful I mean, you heard our race strategy the morning of Houston that we had to pivot to. He, in front of me, he never was nervous. And I I don't Mm. think, I mean, I think it's like, oh, well, maybe I don't know if he'll pull it off or not, but I think he felt like this is the right move. And and I trust Parker to go get this done. I don't know if it'll work, but we're going to go get this done. So his belief belief in all the athletes. And then just from an objective, just factual standpoint, everyone's really talented on that team. And so something that like, you know, it's really from the outside in, it's really easy to just be like, oh man, Parker ran a great at Houston, like trains with Noah Drotti, trains with Frank Laura, trains with Sydney Getabuti. Like it's easy to throw out these like hot, hot take names that I'm training with. And that, that is true. And those people are fantastic athletes that have made roots running what, what it is on the men's side. Now we have all these young guys that people don't even know about that are like trying to make their name and they are so freaking good. I trained with um, Brody and Tom uh, on roots. They're, they're younger guys and they're going to do some big things. Uh, they're doing some track stuff right now, but they're going to go do longer stuff eventually. And I did most of my build with those guys and they just beat the crap out of me the whole time. Literally just beat the crap out of me. Most of my build. And that's the thing. Like people aren't like, Oh, those are the guys Parker's training with. And they are. And I'm so grateful for them. They, they made my build amazing. And then, like you said, Luke Caldwell, um, he's been a little banged up, but he is one of the most talented marathon guys I've ever seen. I've only gotten to train with him a little bit for marathon cycles, but I have done similar workouts and then seen what he's able to do. And um, I'm so excited for his marathon career. So along with that, with the culture, just hardworking, you know, our, our training is a bit lower mileage, but it's high intensity. Um, and everyone shows up. I, I just remember, um, there was this one day, so we hadn't been racing. We were really struggling for a few months. Everyone was racing pretty poorly and, um, it was getting frustrating. And I remember people just raced poorly and we all came back like a few days later, people came back from the race, whatever. And we did one of our like, um, harder long run or it's a long run with no pace cap. So normally we'll go and run those at like six twenty pace. Um, just shooting the shit and we'll get down to something pretty decent by the end. Dude, we ran like under five, uh, six minute pace, the whole group, like 12 of us and everyone was doing everything they could to not fall off the back. And the reason, uh, just to cap, like to, the reason why that, that doesn't sound hard, but it is, we did a hard workout the day before and then do a long run like that. And so it was very, very hard. And my only point is like, we were all so tired of how we were racing. People weren't racing well. And instead of making excuses, instead of like, whatever taking time off because you're like oh something's not like working for me or whatever it was like everyone just dove back in and they're like no like we're gonna stay on to this hard work now that will lead me to my one criticism and this has happened to and when i criticize people or anything i've been through it all so it's not coming from a place of judgment or anything it's coming from a place of like wanting this team or or myself to be better and the only thing is everyone on this team wants it so bad and they work so hard we all just need to remember like that showcasing it in a race is what matters. And I've been in parts of my career where that didn't happen either. And it's just like, I'm working hard, working hard. And I would get to the race and it was like, I would do okay. And it's like, dude, it's about racing, you know? And so we have to pivot that a little bit. And some of the proven products on our team 
do do that. And it's amazing. But like some of these other guys, like I know that they are going to have these great careers and it's up to like the myself and older guys to showcase like, Hey, I work hard day in and day out. But when the race comes on, those lights come on, it's like time to shine. And like that, you got to, we got to seize those opportunities as a, as a squad. And uh, I just see how talented these other guys on the team are. And I just really um, excited and want those. I want them to have these moments because I mean, they're making me hurt and fart licks. So if they're doing that, like they're ready to run some good halves. They're ready to run some good road 10 Ks. Like um, I really believe in them. So that would be my one thing is the culture just needs to shift to, Hey, we work hard, but like racing, racing is the most important thing. And is part of the culture, this kind of sort of feedback in terms of people making suggestions like you are now, like if Richie was to to listen to this, I mean, is that something that would be absorbed, considered, and maybe sort of implemented? Is is it is it a two-way street? Um, it's a good question. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what they would think about it, to be honest. Um, they, it might, I mean, I've said similar things to people after having a bad race. And once again, I always start out with like, this is coming from a place of love, you know, like if I didn't believe in you and didn't really care that much about your career, I wouldn't say anything because it's way easier to not say anything that would maybe hurt somebody's feelings, you know? And so Mm. I'm very like considerate when I do bring something up, but, um, you know, like one example is just a few of our guys had really, really, really bad races, like so bad that it was just like, dude, this is not a fitness thing. Like it's just whatever. And they were, their head was spinning. Like, Oh, I could have done this different. I could have done that. And I was just like, dude, it's okay. Like, you had a bad day, things went wrong and you choked a little bit. And once again, I've had really bad days. So I'm like, it's not a place of judging you, but I was just saying, move on. You know, it's like, it was just a bad day. Give yourself another opportunity in another race. And I bet you things click more. And I bet you, you're going to be really tough when things are going your way and you're going to have a great performance. So yeah, I don't, I don't know what they would say. Um, but all I can say is I'm not immune to this criticism. Um, I've definitely underperformed in races a lot. Um, and I was half of the time I've been at roots and, and I tried to take that on. I was just like, this is great, but I have great training partners. Roots training is going great for me. I need to showcase some results. And, um, if I'm going to hold myself accountable to that, I think it's fair to hold some of my teammates accountable to that too. Mm, And I think you're absolutely right. I think it's about, like you, like you say, like, it's coming from a place of kind of love and support and care. And, you know, if phrased and articulated in the right way, sometimes that can be a, a kind of a game changing moment when someone who you respect and train with can kind of offer that sort of olive branch of, of sort of guidance and, and knowledge, like you say, from a place of kind of respect and, and understanding. And in terms of those, those tough moments, cause you, you said earlier, you know, past year has been difficult, but in a wider sense, past four years, uh, for you have been, have been challenging and difficult. What do you cling to in the, in those periods? Like what is your light or what has been your light sort of within the storm, your kind of port in the storm. That's kind of your North star. I'm going to continue on this slightly lazy metaphor, but what, what has been the thing that's kind of got you through that sort of extended period of, of difficult times? Was it stuff like that? Was it people kind of, kind of calling you on stuff or talking to you? Like what were the things that the tools that you use to get you through your difficult times? Yeah. Um, a lot of it's hard for me to remember. I think I was like, um, I was like starting to get so early on in 2019 and 20 or no, not, not 2019, like 2020 and 2021 ish. Um, I was like, like working, I was getting on a lot of medication for, um, bipolar disorder and, um, being manic and depression and all these kind of things. And so a lot of that was like, I don't remember a lot of how I got through that. I think I was like pretty numb and drugged up for some, some of it. And that was stuff we had to eventually pivot because I mean, you wouldn't have even recognized me, dude. Like I, I would sit with friends and have conversations and my brain just wouldn't process things fast enough that I, I kind of just sat there like a zombie, you know? And, you know, I'm a, I'm an excited, you know, somewhat loquacious person. So it was just very strange. So I don't remember a lot of that. I was pretty numb to stuff. I mean, obviously my friends and family were, were, I mean, that was that they were everything. Um, I, I didn't have a lot going for me. Um, I was going through some really, really intense personal stuff, um, publicly 
and uh, I was coming. I, I wasn't running, so I had no outlet. Uh, I was dealing. I was waiting on a surgery that I didn't know would work, and then I got a surgery, and it wasn't working very well afterwards. So at least once I got surgery, what I clung to was okay. At least I have goals and something I can work towards. And it was like, okay, well, today's run was a little less painful or today I did, um, some two hundreds and I haven't gotten to do that for six months. So, um, originally I didn't have a lot. Um, I don't really know how I got through that original stuff. It was really scary times for me, but once I got running back, as we all know, it's very, uh, meditative. It's very, uh, an outlet. It's, um, it's great. So I got that back and I started to have some joy in life again and started to have something to work towards. And I didn't know what I was working towards. You know, I didn't know if I'd ever be at any sort of high level again, but I wanted to at least like, like work hard. So I left onto that. And then I'm trying to think of other hard things. Oh yeah. And then I got, basically I got running back and that was really helpful. And I was just doing a lot of having a more balanced life. So that was great. And then in the last year, I dealt with some more actually personal um, health issues around the Boston uh, marathon, like going into, I probably shouldn't have run that race. Um, I was having some health issues going on outside of like my, my knee. Well, I was having, you know, running issues too, but just, um, other stuff. And, um, I probably shouldn't have run that race. And so then when I joined roots was really tough because I was so hurt and so down on myself again, that I didn't know what I wanted to do with my career. So I, I barely could run for like two or three months after Boston. Um, I had a hip injury but more than a hip injury, I had a heart injury. You know, I, I just, I didn't feel like running was for me anymore. Um, I had been pouring so much into it. Um, I had clawed so hard to come back from my surgery and from my, um, personal life issues that just like to then go to Boston around 221. It was just like, I, I've set an American record. I've run 210. Like, what's the point? Like, I just want to be happy, you know, and running doesn't make me happy anymore. Like I want to just go do other things in my life. Um, but I've been in this kind of position many times over 20 years in my career. Um, I've had a lot, I've had a lot more lows than probably most people know. And I just like, I want to give it another try, just one more try, you know, and I, but I knew I needed a change. So, um, I changed to Richie and, um, gave myself time to get back to get healthy and, yeah, I've just enjoyed the roots running training. Every race hasn't gone amazing for me, but every race I've gone into, I felt like it could. And that's, that's all you can ask for, you know? And I hadn't felt like that way in a long time. So this whole last year, every race I went to, I was like, I think I can run a really good race. And that's exciting. And it made me enjoy it. And it made me really um, happy to do that. And I'm just doing great. Like my running's going great. My, my personal life is growing great. Yeah, I'm just really happy, man. So really grateful to have a high-end marathon result again because my life's pretty awesome outside of running and everything. So it's cool to get that final that final piece. I love that, man. And like, thank you so much for your kind of candidness and honesty. And, you know, you were saying earlier that you're, you're not quite sure how you got through those difficult periods, but just listening to you articulate, there's a through line of of someone who's quite clearly very, very tough mentally who can sort of endure and, I mean, the race yesterday was kind of a classic example of that. Do you know what I mean? Of someone who has that sort of mental toughness and uh, fortitude and strength. And it's just really great to hear you using those words of, of happy and excited, you know, considering what you've been through over the past four years and to see you running as well as you did yesterday. And I'm conscious we, we started this, this conversation, you know, the morning after the race, it's, it's yeah. still very fresh, but we were talking earlier about this graph, this kind of this graph that you're trending towards with with Paris kind of 2024 being the kind of the ultimate goal and objective. But there's there's going to be stepping stones on that graph. I mean, you said earlier there was a, a race you're going to be doing in a couple of months. Like, what is that race? Are you allowed to say what it is? What's the goal? And I mean, I mean, have you spoken to your coach this morning? Have you kind of debriefed and thought about what those next couple of steps are for you? Yeah, we already, I guess one thing I wanted to say, cause I just thought of it when you were saying, I did want to give a shout out to, um, there was a few really, really, and I won't mention, but they know, but there was a few really special people during those dark times before I could run that went above and beyond, you know, being, being a great friend and seeing somebody do that for you to show that kind of love and unconditional love. When you don't feel like you deserve, deserve anything like that, it's really special. And then also, um, 
my my sponsors Saucony, uh, Chorus Global, and um, Gatorade Endurance never wavered on um, supporting me through surgery and all those tough times. And you know, I think my my life and my story would be a lot different um, if I mm-hmm. wasn't able to be supported financially and and just emotionally during those times. Um, now, as far to making those things, yeah, I have a lot of I have a lot of work to do. So I need to. The, making the U.S. team is very complicated, um, but the best thing you can probably do. Uh, well, we need to get top three at the trials, but and the other the other best thing you can probably do is you need to get that world ranking up, and you need to be in the top sixty five in the world when they take three people out. And I think my marathon ranking score would need to be like eleven fifty something uh, IWF mm-hmm. table, and they take two scores. So right now my second score is not great. It's 11-12 from grandma's. It's a raw performance score with no bonus points. So it's not great. Uh, and my other one was from yesterday. It's in the 1160s. The time was quite a bit slowing down from Houston. So that hurt it. But fourth place at a gold label is, is a pretty big deal in IWF points. So it brought me up to my highest performance I've ever had, which is really cool in a, my career. And so what I need to do is I need to get another one around like not even as good as yesterday, honestly. Um, I just need to get another one around the 1140, 1150 range. So still very good. And my plan, um, I don't know yet, but I would love, um, I don't think it'll be a big deal, but I would love to run Chicago um, Marathon or Ottawa Marathon. Those are my two, um, and they're very different times. So there's a lot of pros and cons. And we've been talking about that. I mean. Chicago financially could make a lot of good sense, but it's a lot later and a lot closer to the trials. And last time I did that, I got really hurt trying to come back off that for the trials. So that's kind of a a con, you know, also I think, I think Ottawa would be really great for some other reasons, but I think, you know, I think part of the reason why I've been running really well is after Boston, I was just like, man, I, I, I'm just not at the world marathon major level right now. And I was just honest with myself, you know, I've always been that way. That's why, that's why I am at this point in my career is I've always like, it's fine to make mistakes and fail in running, but I want to be better. And so I was like, I just don't think I need to be going to world marathon majors right now until I'm a better athlete again and and mentally better physically. So I ran grandma's. I was in with, I was with the leaders till 21, 22, had a chance to win. I ran Houston and signed up for it because I thought I had a chance to win and um got to 23 24 and so the one exciting thing about ottawa is i mean i think it does get one very very fast so i don't know about winning a race like that but getting top five at a gold label again seems like something that i could maybe do at ottawa and that really excites me so yeah they're very different they're different timing i love chicago marathon i've had nothing but exciting experiences there i would get to race a lot of americans and see how I'm doing with that. So, um, yeah, we got to talk about stuff, see how the conversations with Chicago go and make a decision. Um, but yeah, definitely running another marathon. I just, I'm getting closer and closer. So I just got to keep, I got to keep getting to that really hurt locker in the last two to three miles and finding a way to come out the other side. Excited to watch that journey and uh, yeah, just generally excited about these these future plans. <laughs> I feel almost bad for making you sort of look into the future when we are again, just literally the morning after after the race before. I mean, it's just been extraordinary kind of getting um, such kind of granular detail of that race and you being so kind of candid and, and forthcoming and sharing your perspective so immediately after such a hard performance. I think I'd probably still be in bed. I wouldn't have run the time <laughs> that you would have ran, but I certainly would still be in bed at this time in the morning. So so uh, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for you, Parker, for, for taking the time. Now, traditionally at the end of these kind of conversations, I, I kind of open it up with these two kind of expansive questions. And I feel like one of them we've kind of already touched on, I feel like, in terms of like reflecting on, on difficult moments and what we've kind of drawn from them. But I'm curious, the second kind of expansive question, I'm curious to get your take on this from someone who's kind of been in the sport for as long as you have. But are there any myths out there within the world of running for perhaps people who are listening, who, who might be at your level, who might be starting out there running or might be losing faith with their running a little bit. Are there any myths out there that you'd like to take this opportunity to, to debunk for the listeners when it comes to running? Yeah, totally. Um, I wouldn't have known how to answer this question until yesterday. Um, and you know, you could argue that I'm, I'm falling apart the last two or three miles. So you could argue maybe this isn't right, 
but I don't think you need crazy high mileage to run a good marathon. That's my, that's my myth debunk. I don't think you do. Now I do very big sessions and very big days twice a week, but my overall mileage is not really that high right now. Now, before the trials, I think I'm going to push that envelope a little bit, but I think I'm running my best marathons right now. Um, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling like I'm really close to something big. And yeah, I mean, it's not even a feel thing. We just proved that I just ran my best marathon. Now, I didn't get that cool time or whatever to really prove that, but I think it was my best one and it's the lowest mileage I've ever run for a marathon. So there you go. Putting it out there. And I mean, yeah, what better, better sort of context to be saying it immediately after a performance to kind of justify your your sort of theory and the, the myth that you're choosing to debunk. But I think any kind of runner can take a lot of lot from that, I think, in terms of, yeah, not chasing mileage and uh, looking after their body and uh, and sort of, yeah, seeing seeing what results that kind of training can bring. And that feels like a, a lovely note to, to end our conversation on. Parker, again, I can't thank you enough for, for joining me so early in the morning after, after such an incredible marathon, but I am incredibly excited to see how the rest of this year plays out for you and to watch you kind of track up that graph towards the, uh, to the Olympics in Paris in 2024. But yeah, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on and being such a, a brilliant guest on the big run. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, super grateful and, and flattered to, to be on here and um yeah i mean i wanted to talk to you too it's uh it's very rare that you get to talk after such an exciting performance when everything's so fresh so really appreciate it a big thank you to parker for taking the time to come on this show so soon after a marathon effort fair play to your fellow that is uh that's that's good going you can follow him via the links that i'll be putting in today's show notes Thank you for tuning into this episode. If you are enjoying these episodes, please share, tell your friends, put it on Instagram. Follow us on Instagram at The Big Run and on Twitter at The Big Run Podcast. Thank you so much to everyone who tunes into all of these episodes and listens along. I'm incredibly grateful for your support and I'll see you next time for The Big Run. 